you are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked Locked On. Locked Locked On. Welcome back to the Lockdown Cowboys podcast brought to you by the new Ryan Holiday book from the best-selling authors of the Daily Stoic comes the ultimate guide to success, resilience, and virtue to accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. A philosophy sports teams across the country are successfully adapting. Lies of the Stoics, the art of living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? I'm feeling very uh, erudite, very, very learned because we are now being uh, sponsored by uh, literature on this podcast. We are Love very, it. we're basically college professors at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Well, we'll take it, I guess. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's, uh, let's, answer some of your guys' questions that you sent to us on Twitter. Um, let's start with this one, Landon. Uh, Tyron Smith was back at practice for the first time since uh, he injured his neck in week before week two. Um, he was just a limited participant in practice. Um, but how big of an impact can he have on this entire Cowboys offense and offensive line should he be available in week four against the Browns? Oh, huge impact. I mean, you know, uh, uh, at the very at the very least, it takes your, uh, you know, one of your bottom near the, the bottom of the, the you know, the, the whole thing with the offensive line is that it's only as good as your, your weakest link, right? And now it takes yep. maybe one of your weaker links and turns it into uh, the, probably the strongest link on the offensive line suddenly. And now you also get the added bonus of, of – uh, being able to actually have uh, a, a bit of a choice as to who that other, that fifth offensive lineman is. You know, that, that that's the interesting thing. You know, we should have a conversation is if Tyron Smith is able to make it back, what, what does this offensive line look like? You know, is... Yeah, that's what I was going to get to. We, we can get to that but, right now, actually. Yeah, we should. I mean, real quick, just to kind of answer the question fully, obviously Tyron Smith, when he's playing, is still one of the best left tackles in all of football. And, and you know, specifically this week, Against Miles, a guy like Miles Garrett, hmm. you would much rather have someone like Tyron Smith versus even uh, uh, an overachieving Brandon Knight, underdrafted free agent and Brandon Knight. So, yeah, uh, I think it's it's pretty clear that just in a one-on-one matchup this week alone, uh, it, it 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 could make a huge difference. And then on top of that, the the kind of uh, cascading effect, positive effect it will have on the, the lineup of the starting five of the offensive line. Yeah, so let's go ahead and do that. Let's assume for a minute that Tyron Smith plays this week. And I, I, I don't know if that's a given yet, but it does sound like he's getting closer. The Cowboys really have three options at right tackle. They can play Brandon Knight, who has been playing left tackle and has been playing fine. They can play Terrence Steele, who has started the first three games of the season over there. Or they can play Zach Martin, who finished the week three game against the Seahawks at right tackle. What do you prefer the Cowboys to do on that right side? I think that Zach Martin played amazing at right tackle. And I think that him playing out there is uh, is certainly a stabilizing force for the position. Um, having said that, though, I, I, I kind of think that after re-watching the All-22, 
it felt like the the real stabilizing force out there was replacing Joe Looney with Tyler Biotish. And and I yeah. think that yep. even when Looney came back into the game as guard once uh, 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 bah, Zach Martin got kicked out to right tackle, uh, he Looney really struggled at guard. And, and Looney's just, first of all, Looney is just not a guard. You know, I mean, no, he's, he's, not. he's not big. Not he's barely big enough to play center. So he, he's just certainly not a guard. Uh, and I think that, you know, there may be – I hope that there's not, like, this situation where they're just going with what's, you know, familiar and, and that they're just going to plug in Looney because he's a veteran guy. Because, frankly, to me personally, I think the, the best starting lineup that accommodates the youth, it accommodates, you know, the talent disparity. I think Tyron Smith, Connor Williams, Tyler Biotish – Zach Martin at right guard, and then probably Brandon Knight at right tackle. I think that that's the lineup that gives you the five most stable players that uh, you're going to get a high level of consistency. And I think, you know, as good as Martin was at right tackle, better than the other two tackles, obviously, the backup tackles that Mm -hmm. have been out there, better than Cam Irving when he was ever out there. Zach Martin is definitely the third best offensive tackle on this football team. But despite all that, I think it's it's first of all, I think there's two things. One, I think it's important that if we're going to do this and we're going to go ahead and lean into Tyler Biotish. And I think we should because we saw enough that I think it's time to go ahead and start the clock on melding the chemistry of those interior three. I think you you need to get Biotish in at center. I think you need to bring Martin back in to, inside the guard to kind of help facilitate that so you're not doing more Connor Williams, you know, Tyler Biotish and Joe Looney lines. And then I think that having Martin at right guard is going to help a young Tyler Biotish make sure that he gets all the calls right. If And if he doesn't, and if he needs physical help, Zach mm-hmm. Martin is there. And then it's going to help a young Brandon Knight who is swapping over to the other side of the line of scrimmage uh, and, you know, might need some communication help, might need some guidance. I think that is the the lineup that to me kind of satisfies a, a lot of the concerns I have about communication, about talent, uh, and about what, you know, I think that there's something to this where the, if they are going to do these kind of moves, they need to have an eye towards, is this helping us in the future as well? And I think that putting Tyler Biotish in now and starting, like I said, starting the clock on, on the snap count, on getting the chemistry going with those interior three I think that that could be something that ends up becoming a bright spot uh, later on in the season when those guys finally congeal. Because if you just keep throwing different combinations of five out there, you may find success here and there. It may help you kind of find an inch here or there a little bit better. But 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 I think there's something to the idea that you should be building towards something at the end of the season. And, and by constantly juggling these five, I agree. instead yeah. of putting out the best five that have potential to grow and then eventually just swapping in LC if he needs to, I, I think that's the thing that, that makes this not just us surviving these offensive line problems, but also providing these young players opportunities to grow to become better players by the end of the season. I agree with you. I do think it's time for Tyler Biotis to be the center, and I think – having Zach Martin next to him will also help his development. But I'm going to actually disagree with you, Landon. I don't anticipate the Cowboys playing Brandon Knight at right tackle this week. I'll be honest. I think, and I could be wrong, I think they're going to want Brandon Knight to be the swing tackle this week and keep Terrence Steele as the right tackle because 
there's certainly, I would say more so than any other game, you know, the season, there's a pretty good chance that Tyron Smith doesn't make it through the whole game, right? Let's say we get two drives in and the neck flares up and he just doesn't have the strength yeah. to play against Miles Garrett. It's probably easier just to slide Brandon Knight in than to shuffle two tackles, right? Because if Brandon Knight's playing right tackle with Tyron Smith, now he's got to go over to the left side. Now you're bringing a Terrence Steele off the bench. I just wonder from a practice you know, perspective, if it's not going to be better just to keep Terrence Steele on that right side, allow him to, to get you know a lot of work there. Let Brandon Knight continue to practice as a left tackle in practice, you know, with the starters, and then if you need him in Week Four, he'll be ready to go and he won't be switching positions. Does that make some sense to you as well? It could. The only other thing I would suggest out there, though, is if you wanted to put Brandon Knight out there, and you, I, I, I don't. The one thing that we don't know that's part of this equation that we don't have any information on still is where is Jordan Mills, this guy that they just signed hmm. recently. Could he potentially be the guy that they are bringing in as a swing tackle because he has, you know, starting experience in the NFL? I mean, I don't know if it's. I hope not. Good, uh, it's not good starting <laughs> experience, but uh, I mean, well, but I, I think that the idea is that, you know, if you're trying to get your start, your best starting five out there, and then you want somebody to come into the to finish a game, that might be better for someone like Jordan Mills, you know, just because he has more experience doing that sort of thing. But I, I don't disagree. I I I. I I think that you know there is that right tackle spot is the one spot that I feel like is changeable. You know, I, I, I yeah, I, and I think I think it changes right. If if Tyron Smith makes it through this game and he looks good, then maybe the following week you think about moving Brandon Knight over there. But I think with his first game being back and just not really knowing if he's going to be able to hold up, it might be better for this one week just to leave Steele over there for right now. That 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 I mean that certainly feels fair. Again, like I I think that the key. The key point here is that I think the idea is that they want they should put Tyler Biotish in at center and that they should yes. move Zach Martin back to guard and figure out that right tackle spot. As good as Zach Martin was, uh, I, I think that you know they they really would rather you know like him play inside and, and and work it that way. And I think this is a good way, no matter what, to continue to get experience to your offensive tackles. Who, uh, you know, there's value. This, like I said, we're suffering through this, but there is value in giving these guys these reps, especially down the road, because now you have a very deep team with with experience in playing in real NFL games. All right, let's take a break so I can tell you guys about Visa. Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community and move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you in Visa because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us in our communities because they know that where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, the official partner of the NFL. Okay, Landon, this question comes from Robbie. Um, what is going on with Tony Pollard and not being used in the offense to spell Ezekiel Elliott? Um, I just looked it up. His, his stats this year, he has eight total touches in three games on offense, four carries, four receptions. Um, why aren't the Cowboys using Tony Pollard more on offense? I mean, 
I, I have to think that part of it has been his results so far. It's been pretty. It's been a pretty disastrous eight touches for Tony Pollard. It hasn't so, been great, no, so far. So I think that that's part of it. Although the sample size is pretty small. I mean, there was one fumble that could have been a fumble, but I mean, fumble other than that, that it hasn't been, been atrocious. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that you know he's supposed to be a bang for your buck you know, high efficiency player. Like the, the the thing about it is that you're supposed to be getting him the ball here and there for the occasional big play. The problem is, is that they've been doing it. And the only thing he's produced is unfortunately, you know, big plays for the other team. Um, and so I, yeah, I think that they need to definitely need to continue to, to work, uh, work him in. I also think that part of this may be due to, needing to compensate for what's going on with the offensive line. You know, like I think it's tougher to put out two two running backs on the field when only one of them is going to block. And, That's what it is. And, yeah, I agree. And the other the other one is basically going to be in route and you probably would rather have a wide receiver coming out in route because I I feel more comfortable in a wide receiver trying to get open early. Uh, in route and being able to make themselves available for a rush Tony uh, for a rush Dak Prescott than uh, than potentially you know having to uh, I mean I yeah like look I think when you're trying to get Pollard the ball in the past game you're designing something specific for him right like it's either a screen or you're running clear out routes to time, try to yeah. try to get yeah. him the ball in space that sort of thing uh, or you're handing him off the football and I just think that those two things are not. That those two things are probably the things that had to be kind of expunged from the offense temporarily while they're down two offensive tackles. Well, and here's the other thing: I, I think the Cowboys would be using Pollard more if they were in positive game scripts, sure. right? Yeah. If the game was, you know, if they got a seven point lead or a ten point lead, and they can kind of rotate these guys in as their burning clock, I, I get that. But when you're down in a lot of these games like you were for, you know, almost the entire time against Atlanta, uh, you know, against, you know, the Seahawks, you were down 15, you know, right before halftime. It's just safer to put Ezekiel Elliott in because of the pass protection and that kind of stuff. So I don't have too big of a problem with him not using Pollard. Um, It's just it's understandable through three games. Now, if this becomes a trend over six, seven, eight weeks, then I'll get concerned. Yeah, if if this is a season wide thing for sure, but I can. I mean, we're only three three games in, and I can totally. You know, there's lots of reasoning as to why Pollard hasn't gotten a bunch of touches up until now. Right. All right. So um, a lot of people want to know, Landon, about the Cowboys pre, uh, you know, their play calling and the pre-snap motion. It did seem like we talked about yesterday on their All Twenty Two review that the Cowboys were using a little bit more. Uh, motion and stuff, but how would you say the play calling has gone so far in the first three games for Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy? I, I think, again, you know, back to kind of what we're saying with Pollard, I, I think the fact that it has been affected by the, you know, efficiency of the offensive line and having to make adjustments to compensate for that. You know, I think it's been okay. I think it's been good. I mean, we scored we scored a lot of points in these last three games, despite a lot of points. But yeah. despite you know uh, errors that I don't think are play calling necessarily related. I mean, the, listen, did they make some bad play calls? I, I mean, everyone makes bad play calls. Uh, but but I think that the thing that has kind of been frustrating or problematic overall about the offense has not been necessarily 
you know, a, 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 a rash of bad play calls. I think it's been some execution problems. It's been some uh, stupid bonehead mistakes. And it's also been, you know, a, a, a trying to consistently overcome a, uh, a lack of your two starting offensive tackles w- while simultaneously trying to throw the ball all over the yard, which is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's one thing to ask two starting two backup offensive tackles to come in and play. It's another thing to cast them to come in and play and then pass block for 60 plus snaps. So yeah, I, agree. I, I think that, you know, with those limitations in mind, I think that the offensive play calling has been actually pretty good. And I think that, you know, there was definitely some trends in the first week that uh, seem to have kind of fallen away and then have kind of course corrected themselves. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see more of that as the season goes on. You know, McCarthy said it today, he hates September football. Ever since the 2011 uh, CBA deal, he feels like even with the preseason and training camp, he, he thinks that September football is it's pretty bad, and it, and and it's and it's pretty true. Like these teams are it's still hard to disagree. It's yeah. these teams, especially the teams with new new coaches and and new staffs and new quarterbacks and that sort of thing. These teams are still trying to find themselves, and I think the teams that you know are established that you know, were here last year that have similar you know uh, hierarchy up and down the coaching staff and the players. They're the ones who you know they're doing what they did last year. It's it's really not that difficult. But for the teams that are, things are different. They're still feeling themselves out. They're still the coaches are still learning these players. Uh, I I think there's you know needs to be kind of a if you're trying to gauge where this team is or where the trajectory of things are, you still need to have a mindset that this is similar, even though the games count. That this is preseason still. You know that this is because they're still trying to learn the ins and outs of of the particulars of how the playbook looks, how the, how to call the playbook, how to put your specific players in the best position for them to do what they do best. Uh, and I think that there's still a lot of that going on for the Cowboys. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about one of Landon's favorite players that maybe deserves more playing time. Okay, we are back. Landon, um, let's let's talk a little bit about the safeties because we talked about how yesterday that it, maybe it's time to make a change, not necessarily – you know, by bringing in an Earl Thomas or a Tony Jefferson or somebody like that, but potentially bringing somebody off the bench to give you uh, something different. I want to talk about Donovan Wilson because uh, he was somebody when we saw him in preseason last year, he was fantastic. When he played during the regular season last year, he did make some plays. To me, this feels like a game that Donovan Wilson could have an impact, right? The Browns want to run the ball a lot. Uh, Dar- Darian Thompson's just not a, you know, great run defender I think Donovan Wilson could be a a nice you know replacement this week what are your thoughts on the Cowboys potentially maybe trying to ease Wilson into the lineup some more I you know I'm frankly shocked that we haven't seen more of him you know I I I guess it's a new coaching staff and you know they don't have any uh you know kind of ties to them but I, I thought that you know Marquise Linquist was at A&M while uh Wilson was yeah. there so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I guess either we're misevaluating the player or I, I, I don't I don't really know what's going on. Maybe he has maybe he's also struggling to kind of learn the playbook a little bit. But to answer your question, yes, I think, no, look, he's a spark plug. I mean, there's every time he's on the field, he's doing something. And, and I think 
in a game like this, like you talked about, where you've got a big physical running back who they want to run the football. Their their passing game is kind of based off of the play action play action that comes off the football, even though we know that that doesn't necessarily tie in reality. Thank you. Uh, Thank I, you. I throw that in for you. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, that that Wilson, you know, I think Wilson could be an addition here. That I mean, it, 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 that it, we need to try. You know, it's like it's like we we gotta try something. You know, I mean, why not? At this uh, yeah, point, exactly. Right? Why it's not, not like Darian Thompson is playing so lights out that he can't be replaced. So, I, I yeah, I think it's definitely. I would definitely much rather us go the route of playing Donovan Wilson a lot more than trying to go and sign another guy and 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 you know bring him in last minute to have him try to learn the defense and then throw him out there. I, I think that you're much more likely to get immediate potential positive returns from the safety position if you just give Donovan Wilson an increase in snaps. I, I agree. I think this is time to we at least see uh, an uptick in snaps for Wilson. He doesn't need to start. He doesn't need to become the team's full-time safety, but at least maybe try to get him, him get him in there uh, in certain packages. All right, Landon, this last question comes from Luke. Uh, he wants to know, what's up with John Fossil and the special teams? The Cowboys made it a concerted effort to get better on special teams this year, uh, but we're seeing a lot of the same mistakes um, from you know last year's group. We, Tony Pollard cost the Cowboys at least two points. Um, we saw two missed uh, extra points. We're seeing missed field goals. We're seeing uh, you know not a ton of chunk plays in the return game. So wh- why are the Cowboys struggling so much on special teams? I mean, again, I, I I hate to keep sounding like a broken record, but I uh, no training camp, no preseason, yeah. new coaching staff. I mean, I think that the, well, and also you could throw injuries because yeah. they've had so many injuries. So guys like I don't know what Jordan Lewis, for example, is the fourth corner, probably playing a lot on special teams. All of a sudden, he's your number two corner. He's too valuable yeah. to, to have on special teams now. Well, you know, and it's it's and listen, I'm going to kind of go off on a different tangent. I will come back to special teams, but this is also my thing with with Dalton Schultz. I, I see a lot of people like complaining about Dalton Schultz, and, and he needs to kind of improve his efficiency and that sort of thing. Dalton Schultz was a borderline tight end two, tight end three, all throughout quote unquote training camp or whatever was happening at training camp, right? Or in pre in absolutely zero preseason, preseason, all throughout that time, Blake Jarwin was getting all the tight end one reps, all of them, right? Like he was, I mean, Schultz was being rotated in and was was being you know added in at times, but he wasn't getting the bulk of these reps, and keeping in mind reduced reps that even the starters were getting, right? So mm-hmm. this is also some of the – So my point is is that there's context that needs to be provided. He stepped up as a tight end one and I think has played outrageously good for considering you know the amount of time he's had to kind of step into that role, right? And I think he will improve. And I think special teams are a very similar situation where it's – they didn't have a ton of reps. There's not a lot of – half of special teams is, during the training camp situation is figuring out who's playing on special teams. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like you have a core group of guys who are – drilling these techniques over and over and over again you're still trying i mean especially with the offensive line and 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 going back to the blocked kick right like that offensive line is at injury after injury after injury and these backup offensive linemen are the ones who are the going in to to block for the extra points and that sort of thing so yeah so like brandon knight's typically not out there on you know field goals and extra points you know yeah it's and and so it's it's one of those things where 
there's yeah, there's mistakes. Do I think that this is an indication of of whether John Fossil is a good or bad special teams coach? I don't because I think that it's you know he's <laughs> everyone's doing what they can right now to kind of get this information going. I think John Fossil had a lot to teach his special teams crew coming off of what was taught this team last year. And I think that, you know, uh, there obviously is very serious restrictions on how much he's able to work with these guys. So I'm not, you know, I'm not defending what's been put on the field. It's been ugly. But I really but ugly. what I'm saying is that I don't I think there are there's a problem in general right now with us trying to get rid of or disparage or get, you know, or throw away or, or think that that they're no good coaches and players that are you know, dealing with a situation that is absolutely outside the norm still. And I think that, you know, again, if things don't improve by the end of the season, that's one thing, but we're still very much in what I would like, what I've been saying is basically preseason. So let's give them a couple more weeks. If things don't get better. I mean, I think things that already have been a little bit better. There's just been some very obvious glaring miscues, right? Yeah, like I, I don't know if Tony Pollard. I, I mean, what do you, if you're a coaching staff? What do you do there? Yeah, I mean, it's just that's just a, that's just a couple of dumb mistakes, right? Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I think that this is a situation that where we have to track improvement, and, the, and I think special teams and the defense specifically, we need to track improvement. It's 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 one of those things. As they these players get more reps, you hope that there's going to be improvement as the season goes on. That's what they're going for. If you don't see improvement, if they're not getting any better, then it's time to sound the alarm. I mean, the good news is the off- or the special teams unit almost can't get any worse. So there's only you know only improvement to be made. You know, the special team the, between the returns, the punting, the fake punts, almost all of it's not been successful so far. So uh, a lot of room for improvement there for the Cowboys. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher, and we will see you next time.